Sidewalk Skyline Podcast, where for three years we've been exploring God at work in Canadian cities. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. On the last weekend of May, I took a team with me, the Sidewalk team, and we recorded sessions at the Our City Toronto Conference. One of those sessions is today's episode, where we're going to hear from a father-daughter duo, uh, Pastor Veer Mateo and his daughter Rama Annette. Uh, They accidentally started a food bank in Mississauga. They're part of the Christ for Life Ministries uh, church that uh, Pastor Veer uh, leads, and then... um, We're going to hear about how Good Measure Food Bank got its start. I'm sure you're going to enjoy hearing them and their insights. Let's uh, turn to that episode right now. Thank you all for uh, coming here. And thank you, EJ and Mission Canada team, for making us a part of this conference. Our story is a testament of God who used us to accidentally launch Good Measure Food Bank. This is humbling for me and my daughter, you know, to uh, to be here before you. Okay, again, my name is Virginio Mateo, lead pastor of Christ for Life Ministries. Married to Jean, my wife of 30 years. She's right over there. Blessed with two beautiful children, Jaira, my eldest married with uh, Benny, and uh, Rayma married with Travis Annette. Both are passionate followers of Jesus. And I would like to read the text before we proceed. In Zechariah 4.10, Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Can we have a word of prayer? Father, we want to thank you, Lord God, for giving us the opportunity to tell your story. It's not about us, but this is all about you. How you made this uh, food bank possible to exist in the city of Mississauga. And we're kind of unique, Lord God, because we're serving a powerful God who opened the door for me and Rama, the rest of my family, to, to serve you, Lord God. And we thank you, Father God, be with us today, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, and let, let the name of Jesus Christ be glorified in all this. And we want to thank you, Lord God, for the people that have come here to listen to your story. This is for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen. So, the, uh, the text I read a while ago, you know, the remnants, you know, the first batch, you can... Uh, who, uh, who were released and went back to uh, to uh, the land of Jerusalem? They were they were uh, they were given uh, they were commissioned the hardest job, you know, to uh, rebuild the city, and you know, with uh, with this uh, with this uh, batch, they are they are broke. They have no money. Their teams are not there, and yet with God, you know, they were able to. Uh, fulfilled that task. Uh, today we're blessed to, to share our story entitled, they, ac- they accidentally start a food bank. You know, the miracle of small beginnings, 
How did it happen? Started from a humble beginnings into owning our own building, from a small pantry to two rooms, from tiny freezers into two tons of freezers, and now running a food bank called Good Measure Food Bank in Mississauga. You know, becoming a hands and feet of Jesus in our city is not really easy. It's kind of difficult when you don't have any, any means except those, uh, you know, those uh, uh, grocery stores who are uh, willing to provide the food. And, and we're just here to glorify God for what He's doing in our city. Our story, you know, without telling the story of the church, how it came to be, you know, I want to start with our, with our church story. <laughs> because this accidental food bank is embedded with the church. The umbilical cord is still connected. Though now it's its own entity, we're still partners to bless the city. In, 92, in 1992, I arrived in Canada with a broken heart. <laughs> because we just finished a, a church building. And, and yeah, I made my church members really unhappy. And, but then, you know what? There's one thing that is so dearest in my heart. I made my wife so very happy. <laughs> and, you know, oof, as, as, uh, as a new immigrant, you know, what is the first thing we will do? We shop for a church. And we shop for almost 20 plus churches. And we attended this church actually at that time. And we attended Evangel Temple. We attended the, uh, the one on Shepherd uh, People's Church. We, we attended Queensway <laughs> Church. We attended so many churches. And the last church we attended, or I attended, it was a deeper life. And there was something happened that night on my way home after attending this prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit convicted me to pioneer his church in Mississauga. So I kind of said, said to the Lord, I said, I don't know nobody here, Lord, except my in-laws. <laughs> And I had a dialogue with the Spirit of God. I said, I will obey you, Lord, on one condition. I will do it if you will go before me to open the door and lead the way. Soon a small Bible study was opened in 1993 at my brother-in-law's apartment. A few months later, it grew to 50. Then in 1994, we moved to a community center from a small room to a larger room into a, the biggest auditorium of 500 capacity. In 2006, we bought our, our first building, but the city rejected our application for variance. We kept the building for two years, and we waited for God to move. In 2008, the miracle happened. We were able to sell the property almost double the price. We bought it. Now the church building sits on a 1.6 acres on a major intersection, five minutes away from square one. Mm -hmm. Truly, faithfulness pays off. In 2009, we acquired 
1997 GMC Savannah. We decided to collect canned rice and non-perishable food for a local food bank. We started helping new immigrants by connecting them to local food banks, assisting people to find employment through various agencies. We even went and waited on the long lineups at Sleep Country. How many went there just to get a bed for <laughs> Canada on Lawrence and Highway 401? We borrowed the family van to pick up beds delivered to people who can't afford to buy one. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Church of Jesus Christ became the visible hands and feet of Jesus in the city. In 2016, Good Measure Food Bank was born right from the bosom of the church. Zechariah 4, 6 said, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What once was an accidental now became intentional through the help of the spirit. One day, Raymond came out to me and asked about the donations and she, and she asked me if she could uh, start a simple food pantry. I said, a big yes. Then the miracles kept happening. A few weeks after, she, uh, she asked a United States organization on which they, they connected us with major grocery stores and restaurants. Restaurant chains, mind you, even designated uh, survivor called me at one time and they asked me, do you need food? And I said, of course. Then I asked this, this, uh, this driver, how did you find us? We Google you guys. <laughs> wow. So this truckload of, uh, you know, name all the beans, pinto, kidney, and lentils. And huge, uh, these big onions, and oh, ketchup, and oh. We didn't even advertise. Before we knew it, we were receiving way more food than we had expected. Our barrel would not work anymore, and we had to purchase a, a tons of freezers. Somebody, somebody's going to, to bed hungry tonight. And if we don't do something about it, They don't know where the next meal will be coming from. People need help. Becoming engaged in our community and fighting the poverty in our city is our passion. To help those who have low income salary, but it was made possible by God, who is the director and the provider of this tiny food bank. It is our witness in the city. We're commissioned to make disciples and disciples, disciples are called to be blessings in the city. We can help to rebuild people's lives with the gospel in action. The expression of the agape love, the kind of love that knows no boundaries, the kind of love that knows no limit. It is loving without expecting in return. Our love and our body language speaks volume than words. We can preach from the pulpit but without engaging and emulating the lives of the New Testament believers, something is missing with our gospel. The world is waiting and expecting to see the expression of God's love from the visible body of Christ in our city. 
remember, there's miracle in small beginnings. Because a little is much, like the song goes, when God is in it. From a table of tiny freezers to big freezers, from one room to two rooms, the food bank has expanded only because of God. It is not our story, but His story, who deserves the glory. It just happened because we are just willing vessels. We accidentally start the food bank. But actually, it's a divine design to bless our city. You are designed by God to do something in the city. To the glory of God. Yeah, and although we were willing vessels, we definitely weren't knowledgeable vessels. <laughs> so <laughs> here we were. Um, expecting to run a food pantry, at least that's what I was expecting. Max two doors, a closet, canned food. That was my criteria, that is what I expected. And to be honest, it was easier and that's kind of what I wanted. <laughs> and then here we were connecting with grocery stores and uh, restaurant chains and getting like 800 pounds of food. And no, we shifted all, we would have to shift our Sunday school rooms and we'd have to move all this stuff around and slowly the food bank started seeping into the church and the church started to look a little more like a warehouse at times. Yeah, till now. Till now, sometimes. We're still, we're still working through it. <laughs> um, but as quickly as the food came and God provided this uh, organization from Tennessee to give us food from grocery stores and restaurant chains, people started to quickly find out even before we advertise about the food bank. Calls started coming in asking, and asking and inquiring if we had a food bank. People started randomly walking into the church, but not very randomly, <laughs> asking, do you guys have food here? Do you guys run a food bank here? We, had, we weren't on Google Maps, we weren't on anything. And it became obvious to us that this was a divine accident, that we would start this food bank. Amen. And even though we were intending to just start a small food pantry, God would take that yes, and that small beginning, and grow it abundantly more than we would have ever expected. I feel like we probably, sh I probably should have expected God to know too more. <laughs> but, um, uh, my dad and I had a great volunteer team. It consisted of me, my dad, <laughs> uh, my mom, and this before me, I married Travis, and my brother. <laughs> and we learned how to wear a lot of different hats. And we were doing exactly as we said we would do. We were giving out food. And that's what we did, just food. And I thought this was perfect at the time. It was simple. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to give out food. And I dare not do much else. <laughs> Talking to people about anything was always something difficult for me because I am a class A introvert. I'm outgoing, but I am an introvert. And I don't really love talking to people all the time sometimes. <laughs> I enjoy meeting people and talking to them. But um, I was, honestly, I had a fear of people. I was afraid to talk to people. I was afraid of overstepping. And all I wanted was to do something simple. And here I was with this whole operation, and I was overwhelmed. And I 
honestly kept my mouth shut and would give people food, be like, here's your food, bye, everything else doesn't matter, because the thought terrified me about overstepping. And then at the start of this food bank, I realized now, looking back, that I actually didn't really love people, but I loved giving to people, and I'm not speaking for my dad, because I'm speaking for myself, but I loved giving food to people and how it made me feel. And I realized now, at the time, it was vanity. <laughs> and although this program looked so good at the start on the outside, we were helping people. We looked like we could be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, we saw little to no changes in the people who were receiving food. It was simply a place for food, unless my dog came by and he would pray for people. <laughs> Myself, I was just, here's your food. And then it wasn't until I fully pursued Jesus when my whole outlook began to change and a true heart for people was birthed. I went to Bible college and I was challenged and annoyed and bothered that my Bible college professor asked this question. And he said, why do churches run programs, community programs, when they already exist within their community? Why do they run food banks? Why do they run um, all these organizations? Why do they run clothing um, places, whatever, thrift stores, when they already exist? Why don't they just assist those who already need it? And that is valid, but God had us start this food bank, and I was annoyed by the question. So I came home from Bible college, and I Google Maps every single food bank in the area. And there was, at the time, I think about 10 food banks in the area. And I just stared at the screen, more annoyed, and asked myself, why do we run a food bank? <laughs> and I had an honest conversation with myself because I knew God had started this food bank and I, I, I looked at the food bank and I realized, all the food banks, and I realized that there was only one thing that set us apart from every other food bank and it was Jesus. <laughs> it was time for us to uncover our lampstand and actually embrace our differences. While some organizations are called to be parachurches or maybe a little bit, um, look a little different, I realized that God had actually ordained us in that community, in our community of Mississauga, to be different. And I was not embracing that difference when we first started. Um, we, and we, so we uncovered, our, I uncovered my lampstand, and suddenly love thy neighbor hit so different. We learned that it was okay that we didn't look like every other food bank because in a pursuit to run a great program, I missed the whole point of the program and that was to love people. <laughs> and then it transformed. No longer did it, was it here's your food, goodbye, but the gospel became physical to us and spiritual. It became personal to us to actually love the people who were coming in more than just physically, but actually spiritually care for them in ways that I never knew I had the capacity to care for someone. As they walked in, I started to see their God-given value 
I started to see that they were more than just a, a statistic. They were more than just a person that I got to do a good work towards. They were valued people of God who were made in his image, who had no idea their value. I think of a man, it wasn't, as soon as we began to do this, just, it's, it's so, it's so uh, complicated. I love people. <laughs> as soon as we began to love people, we began to listen to people. And as soon as we got to listen to people, we realized that people had all these things that they needed someone to talk to about. And then we started to pray for people. We started to share Jesus with people. And they began to get this. Get, when the gospel is physical and spiritual, people actually started to change. Because we started to care for them in deeper ways than we ever Im imagined. I think of a man who came in, and he was actually Muslim when he came in. And when he first came, his family, I have full permission to share this story, but his family um, was, is still in a war-stricken country. And he came in, and he was like, my son has been diagnosed with um, uh, this disease. Uh, they're in this country. They're stuck there. I can't get them home. And then we simply listened and prayed. And I said, you know what? I actually believe in Jesus. And I, this faith... <laughs> God definitely gave me faith in that moment, and I said, let's pray for your son. And then a week later, I would receive a call from him, and he said, Rama, Rama, my son is completely healed, wow. and it's wow. negative now. Can you pray for them to come here? And also, can you tell me everything about Jesus? <laughs> he was like, can you tell me all about this man, Jesus? Can you send me an email of everything? But he was actually so hungry for Jesus that he would go to a neighborhood church, which is completely okay, and I researched that the church was, you know, not a heretic church, was good. <laughs> um, and he actually became a passionate follower of Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Loving people. I encountered love, and I encountered God. Rima, I don't even know if I believe in God, but when I'm here... I, I want to believe in God. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when you embrace being different and you love people for who they were always made to be. COVID uh, took us to a place that honestly made it for the better. Uh, we now have 10 to 15 minutes with every single person who walks into the food bank and we are not transitioning back to our old school, ginormous lineup outside the door where you get zero time and you're just trying to get them through the doors. And while mo most places operate as quickly as, we can, as they can serve them, we choose to take our time. And I've seen in the last year 11 people accept Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. And get connected with churches that are not just our own but connected with volunteer, churches that volunteers go to, can get connected with home groups, and get connected so that they can become disciples of Jesus. We are working on developing smaller church communities and hope to also host workshops hosted by Christians who are not called to normal ministry and can assist those in their respective fields. Resume building, budgeting, interview prep, healthcare, because we don't want people Loving people means that we don't want people to have to be at the food bank forever. We want them to do, we want to see them do well, and that is love. And we want to work ourselves out of a job, which 
realistically, we're always gonna, there's always gonna be poverty, but with the mindset of we wanna see people progress, we wanna love them, we want them to know Jesus, and we want them to see them thrive. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so how do you love people? One of the questions I, we get often is, how do you love people who are hard to love? And one thing that we have adopted at the food bank is a culture of honor. So while sharing, um, while sharing Jesus, this has become an integral part, and that is on both the volunteer side and the uh, people who received. Seeing a culture of honor basically means we see people for who they are or for who they will be in Christ, and instead of who they're not. <laughs> And here's an example. Instead of me complaining about how Jada, which is a fake name, is always lying, I'm going to believe and pray that in Christ she will be honest. Instead of me complaining about how someone was mean to me, I'm going to proclaim who they are to Jesus and how he loves them. And I am going to pray for them. And not in a weird, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're gonna be honest, in a way where I pause, and I actually change my posture towards them and I say, God, give me your heart for them. And that's loving on people. It's not even quick to just pray prayers of bitterness, but to pause and say, God, I need a heart for them right now. Because honestly, they're kind of, they're kind of bothering me right now. But you care for them, so give me your heart. And taking time to pause before just reacting. It means loving people means also loving your volunteers. And we learned this as um, it became more than just our family serving. And we grew and we got great connections with um, partnerships such as uh, Porco Community Church who also operate within the food bank. It's a partnership with Portico and Christ for Life where we run this. Um, just caring for them in ways where we saw them more than just good workers. But we actually saw our volunteers as, get this, children of God. <laughs> and that is, is funny to say, but it can be so overlooked in our culture as seeing just volunteers as people because we need hands. But they are more than just hands and feet. They are loved children of God. And when you transition your thinking to say they are loved by God, they are, um, they are children of God, then you start to care for them in ways where you see them as such and not wanting them just to operate in stress or in legalism that is ne was never their destiny. Um, so one thing that I've learned as a pastor's kid is uh, I always struggled with people assuming that I knew what I was doing <laughs> and was following Jesus and I never wanted to be a disappointment and I never dare telling my struggles. Um, this is why when volunteers come in, we never assume where they are at in their relationship with God. Uh, it doesn't matter if they are referred to from a church or a pastor, we share the gospel with every single volunteer and we use this method called the three circles which starts with who they were always made to be in Christ, um, in God in the beginning. And well, and the reason for this is that, to be honest with you, even people who are church don't know the gospel. 
Um, and just under half of the people who got saved in the last year were actually people who went to church, who said they didn't actually know their identity, they didn't actually know the gospel, they didn't actually know who, were they, who they were made to be originally. Uh, so we've, we've really shifted in that way. We've also adopted um, a culture of vulnerability. <laughs> and I want, I want a space, we want a space where people can be honest with where they're at and they can feel supported. And I know because I operated at this way at a certain point that serving is good and we're called to serve, but when we're serving out of stress, we're not serving in the best way that we can. So having a culture of vulnerability means that even when a vol as a volunteer comes in, so, I see this so many times, especially within the church. They're so ready to serve other people. They're so ready to help everyone else except themselves. And we've actually adopted this sense of, God doesn't actually want you to serve in this pain, in this excruciating pain. Like, here's food, but my whole life is a mess and, and all this. He actually doesn't desire that for his children. And we have taken time to, in, including, and I had to start doing it as the person who runs it because I realized that I needed to be honest. And I needed a support system where we could actually carry our burdens. So volunteers will come in ready to serve sometimes. And they'll say, Rayma, I'm just ready to help everyone else. And then they'll just be crying. And uh, we lovingly tell them that God wants to help them too. And they've entered ready to serve and then ended up not serving and going into the back room and praying and came out just embracing and hugging us saying, that's actually exactly what I needed and I'm ready to serve now because I know who I am and I'm ready to tell people who they are and who they were made to be. Uh, <laughs> and um, I asked myself in the last, few, the last couple years, uh, some hard questions. <laughs> and one of them was, would this food bank stand if we did not, if past my dad, past me? And that's one thing that we've worked on. It came so fast that we were overwhelmed. We didn't know what to do. It was messy at first. But now we see what God's purpose is for this food bank, and we actually don't want it to end, and we want it to outlive us. So making sure that our volunteers, are, the people who are involved, are, we're actually mentoring them, we're actually discipling them into taking over. The fact that I can be here at, here at this event today while the food bank is going on is out of this world. Because if you asked me three years ago, I could not have left at all, ever. I always had to be there. And the reality is that was not made for the kingdom because it was on my hands. And if it's for the kingdom, it has to outlive me. <laughs> so those are some of the hard questions. But the main, the main changes that we saw was, well, first I had to fully pursue Jesus properly. <laughs> and uh, we had to embrace being different. We had to love people for where they're at and ex be expectant of where God wanted them to be. And uh, we had to adopt a culture of vulnerability. And we had to say, and ask ourselves, are we 
running not-for-profits? Are we, are we Christians running an organization? Or are we, or, or is the organization running us as Christians? Because in the beginning, it was definitely the latter, where we were just going with what we had to do and what we felt forced to do. And I wanted to look like every other food bank in the, the city because I was in marketing and I don't know, I, I, I had a, I, apparently I was a big shot, but I was not a big shot. And I thought we were gonna be the best and greatest, biggest food bank ever. When God said, I've just called you to be different and love people and pray for them and actually be a lighthouse in your city. Um, and no longer can we say that we are, we're um, just a ministry, our ministry dictates how we are, but our Christianity and our love for Jesus dictates every single moment of the food bank. It's intentional, it's personal, and it's loving people. So we, <laughs> we started the food bank by accident, but it was a divine appointment. <coughs> And, um, yeah, that's basically the story. So we want to thank God, uh, you know, without our children and, and those volunteers. <laughs> me and my wife will be breaking our backs. No, we will die. <laughs> no, we will die. Oh, we will die. <laughs> Just imagine me and my wife started, you know, this. Like, uh, the first thing when it happened, you know, actually, I, I met this family who are new immigrants. And then, uh, you know, like uh, I emptied the freezers and our freezer, our tiny freezer, and then gave it to this new immigrant. And then my wife cried out to me, what did you do with our food? Well, I gave it to, the, to this family. And we were like, when will I get the food that I will cook for tonight? Then I said, God will provide. The following day, there was a box of fish right at my door and a bag of rice waiting for us. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, a, it was a miracle. Like, mm -hmm. wow, God, you're so amazing. And this thing, you know, it started with, with love, with passion. And it takes a gift. You know, if you have the gift, like, uh, you know, to serve people, you know, it's going to be there. It's waiting for us to, to use that gift. And I thank God, and, and now it's been passed on to my, my, my children. I'm, I'm really happy, you know, to, uh, to sign off. But I'll still be around. But then, you know, what's really amazing about this, this food bank, before it, it expanded, we saw people's lives change. There was a guy, there was a Spanish guy, who came up to me and said, uh, uh, I need help. And this guy really, it's, uh, it's you know, his, his, his clothes is like rugs. And, and then I told him, you know what, I have food for you. And then we gave this guy food. And then, and this is a Spanish guy. And I told him, I have a Spanish pastor. I'm going to call him right now. The following Sunday, he brought his whole family to the church. And that's the whole thing. They don't have to come to our church, but to get them connected mm -hmm. to a church. For me, for, for us, that will be a fulfillment. Yeah. And there was another guy 
you know, who, who slept in his car. Then I told my wife about him. Then we gave one of our mattress and he slept in his car. And then later on, he got employed with this huge grocery store. And now he's a supervisor. Wow. Yes, and those, those kind of uh, testimony, you know, like, oh, they're, 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 they're amazing. Because it's, yeah. it's the Lord who yeah. made all these things possible. I think that at the end of the day, we learn to um, love it more than ourselves. And um, it's cool because what it's becoming is less about just Christ for Life Ministries, but through partnering with other local churches and saying, hey, we want this to be your food bank and actually wanting them to take ownership of, place it, of this and take it as their own. We have seen volunteers all around impacted and changed because they say like there's no other place. They don't know how to run as a Christian. We say words like evangelize or, or love people physically, but the reality is a lot of us haven't seen that lived out. And just providing a space for um, people who are used to church but not used to walking as a Christian to learn has been huge for our city. And I know that our volunteers tell us all the time that they've never seen a place where they just get to learn, but they also get to be honest, but they also get to love, but they also get to pray, where they don't have to just um, pretend to be where they're, they don't have to pretend to be anything, but they can be honest, and then through that honesty, they see transformation. And um, a lot of these partnerships, I wish I could tell you how to just strategically partner with the giant grocery store, but the reality was it was a phone call to us. <laughs> and we, uh, we're not going to pretend like we were experts in the, that. Uh, <laughs> we were shocked. We were shocked. When you are expecting to run a pantry and you get, now we get upwards of more like 2,000, 2,500 pounds of food um, every week. You um, pretty shocked. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good food too. Yes. <laughs> so it's 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 the work of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We have that willingness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now we're learning. Well, one thing I'm learning, especially as uh, as we're running this, uh, I'm I'm learning how to not be just on the action fields, which has been very difficult for, for me. And actually being in an office is the worst to me. <laughs> and as I hear all the things going on outside the office, I kind of have a fear of missing out. But um, I realized, and I think a lot of the people who are assisting us in this, that someone has to hold the vision and make sure that it keeps running. So we've been doing a lot of uh, it's run for six years, but it's run well for two to three. Um, and we've been developing all, this year a lot of the policies, a lot of the legal stuff that we will not say that we were not in line with. <laughs> um, and we are, we are learning and adapting those policies to make sure that this will run for the long haul and live past us. Yeah, it took, it took sacrifice. You know, like uh, we have to give up our jobs for this, and she gave up her, her career, my, my, my son gave up a career, you know, to serve God, 
And uh, we're all living by faith. And I haven't seen my family suffering financially. By the grace of God, we're getting by. And I've seen God's faithfulness in uh, providing food to the hungry. It never stops. Even to the point that we don't get any, anything from these grocery stores, my wife and my, my, my daughter will, will shop for, for veggies, for milk, for other stuff, just to give something to these to this, uh, needy people. And we thank God for that provision. Do you guys have any questions? Yes. So you were talking about how in the pandemic you switched around so that now you have 10 to 15 minutes mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what title you give them, clients or, or whatever. I just call them people or by their name. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm just kind of wondering, what, how, what model is that? How did it emerge? And what do you do in that 10 to 15 minutes that yes. you each person? So ideally, we like to have a minimum of, um, well, uh, in line with one to three volunteers during the food bank hours. And we, um, we have one volunteer who's just with the person. They are just with them. They're with them to listen, with them to pray. They are just available. Even if that person does not want to talk to that person, they are available for that person. And then we have two people who are prepping the food. And um, this is just good because it provides that opportunity for relationship for them to actually talk to someone. Um, yeah, so we had no choice during the pandemic. And I definitely took advantage of it. <laughs> and other food banks, especially the one on, actually I shouldn't name this one, but um, other food banks, they have max five minutes. Mm -hmm. They put the cap at five, they're gonna just do as many people as possible. And um, I think that when God told us we were made to be different, we took that personally. And uh, that's why, yes. With uh, the congregation, uh, and the life of the congregation, the life of the food bank, are those two things uh, fit together or do they run like two different things? Uh, at first, uh, it, was, it was like a, a church program. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, later on, uh, because of the volume of people coming in to get food, uh, we, uh, like Rema, now we partnered with, with uh, Portico. Now it has a separate entity, and we, we provide the place, and, and Portico, uh, you know, provided salary for, for, my, for my daughter. And now, you know, we can really focus on making disciples, which is the primary calling of the church. Before it was all about food bank. Now we're, we're focusing on making disciples. And yeah, so it's really amazing what's, what's going on right now. Uh, you know, like we allow our, our daughter here uh, and her board. He got her, her own board now. No, we, uh, we're developing our board. We're developing our <laughs> you know board. board. And yeah, through the help of the of Portico Church, they're, they're now uh, like a, becoming a self uh, entity. Yeah, I think you can say yes and no, and no to that question. Sometimes it works well when, especially when people want to go to the church and they 
they they are good with the culture. They they adapt well. They are like, yes, I actually enjoy this. I like it. And sometimes no. Sometimes they are just they are overwhelmed with church culture. They don't um, understand it. They don't get it. Um, and I don't know if they would say they really like it because they just don't get it. <laughs> but. And that's okay, and that's where we are um, looking at house churches, looking at developing actual house churches, little micro-communities where they can actually have a personal um, engagement, a personal time, because honestly, people thrive. Most people would say they thrive better in those smaller groups, Um, and that's where we're kind of looking at, okay, well, how do we help those who don't want to just do big church and Sunday and um, and it's also been just making it personal for lead volunteers so we have volunteers who are allowed to take people and disciple them um, where they can actually say I'm gonna go out for coffee with this person and disciple them and but in terms of church yes and no (laughs) did the congregation start as a uh, Filipino congregation or start international uh, at first, it was a Filipino church, yeah. and uh, we bloomed like. I, but uh, we 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 got some uh, you know diverse uh, audience in our in our in our congregation, uh, and actually uh, <laughs> the church was really booming, and we planted satellites, and bought a building, and you know, and then. Uh, and then these uh, churches uh, uh, or satellites became churches. And, but, uh, you know, like uh, a normal church will always encounter crisis. That is when we, uh, we, 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 we release them, all right, right in the middle of this uh, uh, crisis, the, the, the Christ, our Lord, you know, came in. And that's when we started, you know, like doing some good things in the community. And, and the Lord up to now, you know, is using the church. Now it's a multicultural. It's multi-ethnic, it's international and... Filipino church, church split, uh, better yeah. church. I, 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 I kind of like a, a, a multi-ethnic, diverse uh, yeah, congregation in, in such a way, you know, we can celebrate ethnicity. Like, uh, you know, there's uh, especially the, the, their celebration, and we, especially when we, and we come together to have a feast, you know, like it's it's a it's a cultural feast, you know, and and it's really it's it's and that that's the uh, the uh, that's the the picture of heaven, like heaven is you know, language tongues and mm-hmm. you know this is something like uh, uh, happened later on, mm-hmm. and we realize you know hey it's better than this than uh, a, a monocultural uh, mm-hmm. church. It actually looks like our city now. <laughs> it's later on. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I always say that our church has never been better post. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love them, but it's just never been better. It was and better. The, the thing about this food bank, we won a lot of people from the food bank. Mm-hmm. It became an avenue to win people mm-hmm. to Christ. Like, you know, they they stayed. They were dis- now now they are part of our discipleship program. And, you know, like, people, you know, started family, you know, like, uh, with the church, like, mm-hmm. you know, having children and children yeah. getting married and, 
and we're so happy, you know, like uh, it becomes, uh, it became like a, a, an international, like my children right now, they don't, they can't speak Filipino. And English is my second language. They can speak better. White. Now he married uh, a white. A white. He's a white. A white. <laughs> He's a white. <laughs> so this, this is this is something like it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's not all about us. It was cool though too because we started seeing people come to Jesus when we weren't focused on just winning them, but actually loving them, and out of, the way of, of just like overflowing love yeah. for Jesus telling them about Jesus, but not being like, I'm going to tell you about Jesus so you accept Jesus, but like being like, hey, I don't really know how to talk about much else because I just love him. I just, it just overflows, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's taken a lot of pressure off too. <laughs> Especially from me and my wife. Now we have, uh, we have volunteers to, uh, to run the food bank and and you know these are loving people and they they stayed in the church they're attending the church and at the same time they they volunteer to the food bank yeah mm -hmm. any other questions does anyone want to start a, i know kevin you're <laughs> do you guys does any of you are you looking to start a program or a not-for-profit within your church so we actually historically have i can't remember how old it is because I'm still new to the church. Um, I'm a pastor of a church in the East End. And I think the food bank was going for about 30 years and then it, the lady who had been um, directing it, she uh, retired the last day that we were able to serve people before the pandemic hit. And we just restarted this year. Mm. And, and by this year, I mean this past week. And, um, you know, it's just, it's still fresh. And so a lot of us that are running it now are <laughs> kind of in that sort of like, okay, we know that this happened, but we don't necessarily know what we're doing or how to do it. So we're just, mm -hmm. you know, kind of doing our best. And it's been really neat to watch how, um, like, through the pandemic and through different connections that we've been making, God's been supplying the food bank, supplying us with volunteers and just the opportunity to be a part of what God's already doing in the community and stuff. So wow. but I really I really love what you guys were saying about following the spirit and then just loving on people and then it's that relationship that's gonna help them fall in love with Jesus because they know that they're loved by the people that are serving themselves. Mm -hmm. right. When you don't stare at like the the numbers as much and become so number like we want the numbers to grow. But that's exactly how the numbers grow. <laughs> it's not being like, they will change. Oh, today I'm going to do this many people. <laughs> like, it just, it's, just a, it's so funny. That, but I, that's a common um, thing that's happening throughout food banks is most of the people who are running them are older. Uh, I'm going to be careful how I say this today. <laughs> they are older and they are than me. And they are retiring. And they ha there's a food bank that are, is very close to us. We love them. But they have no, they're, they're set to now end because there is no one to take on uh, the, the food bank because she is retiring. She, she can't run it anymore. And it's, um, and I think that's why it's, I'm, we're so passionate about making sure that the people involved are getting trained or are understanding the ones, because we, we have really, really, really amazing volunteers who are actually like, I'm so excited to be part of this because it's still new, um, and I just know that it's going to grow, and I want to be here through it mm -hmm. all. 
and having volunteers who actually are in line with our vision and uh, believe in it has been um, amazing. And I, I can confidently say that it will outlive me. <laughs> so I have a question that, like, going back to your volunteers, you mentioned briefly about the idea that sometimes your volunteers show up and they're just, they're already done before you they start. And then you said, you just go into the back room or, or whatever. So, like, what is that back room? Like, how does that kind of spiritual care of your volunteers yeah. look like? And, like, oh. how do you have, like, a backup plan for my Oh, man, I am the backup plan sometimes. But right. we've ha we have enough now that I don't have to be. Um, there are a couple, like, days, certain days where it's a, I'll just go. But um, that has made the turnover rate of volunteers in itself way lower than it's ever been mm -hmm. because people are not operating on their own strength anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So we are, um, it's actually beautiful. We take advantage of the fact that we're at a church. So there's a sanctuary. So we, we, so we have a volunteer, had a volunteer who came in and we walked through the gospel with her. We're using the three circles, everything. And at the end of the three circles, you ask them, where do you see yourself in this right now? And she was like, I'm in brokenness. Um, and what we did was, uh, actually it was me and Trav, we took her in the room, in the sanctuary, and uh, we just started talking to her. And then we, was it, we started reading to her Ephesians 1. Yeah. We started reading to her Ephesians 1 and who she was made to be in Christ. Because honestly, um, there's just been a lot of lies that was, has been spoken to her that she was believing. And uh, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just through that, because we're speaking truth to her, she just came in the room and she started bawling her eyes out. And um, she got baptized in the spirit. This might be debatable, but it's okay. And I've never seen someone um, actually prophesy for the first time to themselves. And said it wasn't tongues like I usually see. She actually started prophesying to herself. And it was straight from scripture. So she was crying and she was telling us what God was saying to her. And she was like, I never left. I never left you. She was closing her eyes. She's like, I never left you. I've always been there. You are loved. You are loved. You are my child. And she was bald. I was crying like crazy. It was beautiful. And um, had we not just given room for her to be honest with where she was, she could have lied too. Realistically, you could lie with where you are. Um, she would have remained in those lies. But now she, so we, we will often take them to the sanctuary and just have a conversation with them. Or if they, they some, sometimes they're like, I just need to actually do this on my own, which is okay. Um, and just, they know that they're always able to call us to pray for them um, and talk to them. And um, yeah, I 110% I think that when you operate, because it actually says in the, uh, in the Bible um, to overflow. Like, my cup poureth over. It doesn't say my cup drieth over. So what I believe is that when your cup is actually overflowing in oil, and because you're just spending time with the Lord, you're loving him. Because it says, love the Lord your God, and then love thy neighbor. So when you love the Lord, you can't help but love your neighbor, you know, just because it overflows. Because you're loving God so much that you're seeing God, the value of people as they walk in. So I firmly believe in that. And so people need to know that God is there for them and they actually need to know that they can love God more than just a needs-based God but actually loving God is loving him 
more than just because you need him, because he, he is God. And um, yeah, it's, it's been good. <laughs> I, I think this runs in the family where we kind of go on tangent. But is there anything else? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for that. We need, and I, I, I say this a lot, we need more Christians running organizations and less organizations running Christians. Because there's a temptation as a, as a not-for-profit to just fit the box so you can get as much money as possible, so you can look the best to every person who comes in. And you know what, like, yeah, sometimes you have to adjust certain things so that you can, can uh, I mean, adjust wording, but you're not adjusting who you are. Um, but when you're actually running as a Christian, and you're running your organization as a Christian, you care for people so much more than if you're just trying to fit the boxes. Uh, like the, that's what the government tries to do in this uh, the system. They try to just fit the boxes where they think that, oh, there's a hole here, we're going to try to fix it. But really we're saying there's, a, there's, there's gaps, but we want to actually disciple people into being independent and, cry, and know Jesus and just be able to thrive. Um, so uh, that's one of the biggest things that we say at Food Bank is that we're more than a not-for-profit. Um, and that we are inherently Christians running the food bank. It's who we are. And there might be people who aren't Christian who run the food bank. I mean, not run the food bank, who volunteer. But what, it's a little bit of, it's fun. What the, our rule is, you can bring a non-Christian to volunteer, but you're discipling them. <laughs> if they're your friend, they're your family member, they are your responsibility. They are the person you are discipling. And we trust you to do that for yourself. Now, they might not be the person with the people who are coming in, but we'd like to we'd like to provide that space for people to uh, have opportunity to to uh, disciple the people that they want in their lives to know Jesus. And as always, you can find out uh, more about our guests by going to the show notes at sidewalkskylinepodcast.com. On our next episode, we're going to hear from Aaron Oxford and. Uh, she and her husband, Dion, uh, for many years have uh, been in an area of Toronto that they refer to as the Dale. Well, uh, they uh, have uh, a nomadic ministry lifestyle in the Dale. And uh, so Aaron's going to be talking to us about that on our next episode. So please come back. And uh, this is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. We'll see you next time. <laughs>